Hi, everybody, and welcome back to True Time. This week's case is full of heartbreak, confusion, and a lot of questions. This story is the Taconic State Parkway crash. Hello, everyone. My name is Avery. And my name is Dylan. And we welcome you to True Time if you're a brand new listener. Yes, welcome. And we're happy you're here. Yes, please feel free to binge all of our other episodes. I know that's a fun thing to do. Yeah. Because yeah. this is our 20th episode. Yeah, we're. it's crazy how like how far we've gone. I know, it's hard to believe it's at 20 i know it's i don't know it sort of seems like a lot like a lot a lot yeah like when i sit back and look through all my notes and everything i prepare all of the case notes on google docs and i just scroll through everything i've yeah. written i just remember it being like two or three stories and now it's 20 and i can't believe we've done this 20 times yeah it feels, I don't know, it's been feeling more fun the more we've been doing it, to yeah, me at least. I agree. And I sort of get excited to do it. Just come down to the basement. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, just hanging out in the basement with our <laughs> microphones. <laughs> it's okay. Honestly, a lot of the podcasts I listen to, they all have pretty unique recording locations. Like one of my favorite podcasts is called What's Next by Michelle Reed and she records in her closet. So <laughs> at least we have a basement, <laughs> a yeah, nice little sure setup. That good sound. <laughs> yeah. That like nice smooth sound, no disruptions. Yeah. But yeah, so it's honestly been pretty fun and definitely have learned a lot and I really like doing it. And so here's yeah. to 20 more. Yeah. And also... Our listeners have been going up. So yeah. That's, that's pretty motivating, too. Like, yeah. we've been looking at our stats compared to last month to this month, and we're steadily rising. So, yeah, it feels really good to kind of see all of our hard work kind of go out and everyone enjoys it. We appreciate everyone who likes the podcast, listens every time we drop, a, drop an episode and shares it. I mean, it means a lot to us because. I know Avery puts a lot of work into it. She loves sharing it with everyone and seeing people's reactions. Like we've had a few messages. It yeah, been too many. It's but. been nice to see some people comment. I got a really nice comment on last week's case. Someone said they listened to the episode on their way to work. So that's really cool to think we we're a part of someone's yeah, morning or I, afternoon. I don't know. It's really cool. Our voice is literally coming out of their car stereo and yeah, listening to it. I'm assuming they live in the States, but um, like it's like an ocean away almost. It's like yeah. kind of crazy to think how we've been able to kind of talk to people we would have never have even known existed. Yeah. It's, so it just blows my mind. I feel famous even though it's not that many people. <laughs> I know. Haven't been recognized yet. I'm waiting. No. <laughs> if you see me out in public, come say hi. No. <laughs> I feel hi. like that's what a lot of people say. Yeah. <laughs> but. Now, thank you all so much. We really do 
love all you guys and appreciate everything you do because you kind of help us grow. You're a part of this from the beginning with us. So we just, you're all of our day oneers. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, thank you all. Okay. And with that, I know you're all here for this week's case. Yeah, should we hop into it? Let's get it. Okay, so this case begins in July of 2009 in the state of New York. Diane Schuler was born on November 13th, 1972, so she was 36 years old at the time. She was born and raised in New York and had three younger brothers. When Diane was nine years old, however, her mother one day just left her family. This was extremely difficult on her as a young girl, and sadly, her dad pretty much fully relied on her to become the caregiver of their family at a very young age. She had to care for her three little brothers, cook, and clean the home. Diane never truly healed from her parents' divorce in a healthy way. She never discussed it with anyone, not her family, closest friends, or even her husband. She also refused to ever talk to her mom again after she left, according to Medium.com. Ultimately, Diane was hurt deeply, and this may have led her to seek things that she thought could help her relieve stress. As she grew up, she was a good student in school and eventually attended Nassau Community College. It was there that she would meet her husband, Daniel Schuler. They lived in West Babylon, Long Island, New York, and together they had two children, a son named Brian, who was five years old, and a daughter named Erin, who was two years old at the time. Diane worked during the day as a director of billing and collections at Cablevision, while Daniel worked nights as a security officer for the Parks Department, according to Medium.com. With their differences in their schedules, they rarely got to see each other. Oh, that would be terrible. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. There's that possibility with us, like my job. Yeah, I don't like it. And I know that would just suck so much. Mm -hmm. It definitely would. It would be so hard to not see each other. Yeah. Like not until the weekend, pretty mm -hmm. much. Yeah. Some of the best parts of my day are coming home and hanging out with Dylan. (laughs) So I would be so sad. This led to Diane being pretty much fully responsible for taking care of the children, the home, and managing their finances. Daniel's mother even joked about how Daniel was like her third child, according to Medium.com, which isn't really funny at all to have to fully take care of your spouse when a relationship is meant to be a partnership. Yeah, for real. It's definitely a two-way street here. Dylan and I (laughs) take care of each other pretty equally, so I could see how that would be a lot of stress. Diane did have other underlying issues she dealt with on her own. She had type 2 diabetes, which had caused her to quickly gain weight, and family members had noticed she'd become extremely impulsive with spending. According to Ranker.com, Daniel said she, quote, ran out for milk and returned with a flat screen TV, end quote. Oh my gosh. But he would still say she was, quote, a perfect mother and reliable person, end quote. Yeah, that's a it's a sign. It's more than impulsive than I thought. She, you, like you were gonna say, mm-hmm. definitely a sign of going through something difficult. Yeah. However, family and friends also noticed she'd become more short-tempered and angered much quicker. An example being her road rage. 
Diane loved her children, though, and she spent her time as a member of her children's PTA. It was clear she wanted to be the mother to her children that she never had. She also cared deeply for her three nieces, Emma, who was eight years old, Allison, who was seven years old, and Katie, who was five. Her nieces were her brother, Warren, and his wife, Jackie's daughters. It was the last weekend of July, and Diane, Daniel, and their two children were planning on going to Hunter Lake Campground in Parksville, New York, for a camping trip. They invited their three nieces to also join, since a year prior, both families had gone up to camp together and had a wonderful time. Warren and Jackie trusted Diane and Daniel, so they allowed their girls to go camping with their cousins. Daniel went up to the campground first to help set everything up, and Diane drove herself and the five kids in a red Ford minivan that she'd borrowed for the weekend from her brother Warren. They had a fun weekend boating, fishing, and relaxing while all the children played together. Sunday, July 26th, was the end of their camping trip. I just want to say that's, that's the best trip I could ever imagine. I love trips like that so much. Just like a camp getaway? Yeah, that's so much fun. Yeah. I love just going out, having a cabin or just in a tent and being able to boat and hang out, campfires. I love going out on the lake in a boat. It's yeah. by far probably one of my favorite things in the it world. Is. It's, I don't know. It's, you can make it relaxing. You can make it exciting. Mm-hmm. You can, yeah, just literally. Yeah, there's just something when it's warm outside. and that, Sitting on a boat. Oh, I freaking love it. Dylan and I is definitely one of our big goals is to have like a lake house someday. Yeah, We've 100%, talked about that. <laughs> 100%. Oh, it would be so fun. Yeah. So... The end of their camping trip was July 26th, and it was a beautiful summer day. Daniel cleaned up the boat and packed up his pickup truck and left first with the family dog. Diane left shortly after at around 9.30 a.m. with the rest of their camping supplies and all five of the children to set off on the two-and-a-half-hour drive home. Around 20 minutes later, they stopped at McDonald's for breakfast. They ordered dine-in, and the kids played in the play area for a while. McDonald's employees noted that Diane seemed perfectly fine and they had a regular conversation. Even security footage that was captured doesn't show her behaving out of the norm at all. Just before they left McDonald's, Diane ordered an orange juice. Then they all got into the car and left, according to Medium.com. About 13 minutes after leaving the McDonald's, Diane pulled off to stop at a gas station. The kids stayed in the car while she went into the shop. When she went in, she asked the clerk if they carried any pain pills, but the clerk responded that they didn't carry anything like that, so she walked out of the store and got back into the minivan. The employees at the gas station noted she seemed a little stressed when they told her they didn't have any pain medication, but other than that, she seemed completely normal. They drove off and headed south on Route 17. Emma, one of Diane's nieces, needed to be home by the afternoon because she had a dance recital that day, but with the stops, they were running a little bit behind. Emma used Diane's phone to call her parents at 11.37 a.m. and let them know that they were running a little late, but it wouldn't be too much longer. Diane confirmed with either Warren or Jackie that they were behind, but would be back soon as well. They said nothing seemed out of the ordinary with Diane and that she sounded perfectly fine on the phone. However, between 11.30 and 12, multiple drivers on the highway said they saw a red minivan 
driving extremely aggressively, speeding, weaving between traffic, tailgating, and honking its horn. At around 11.45 a.m., a witness noticed they saw the red minivan pulled over on the side of the road, and they stated that they saw a woman out of the car with her hands on her knees like she was throwing up, according to Medium.com. Oh my gosh. She got back on the road and kept driving. At 12.08, Diane got an incoming call from Jackie asking her how many tickets they were going to need for the show. The call was short, but Jackie still said Diane sounded normal at this point. Sometime between 12.15 and 12.45, another driver noted that they saw the red minivan pulled over again with Diane out of it like she was throwing up. What is happening to her? I don't know. She still continued to also drive erratically. Yeah. By one, Warren called his sister since they were late because they should have been home, I think, by around 12.45. Mm -hmm. And this is when he realized something didn't sound right. Not all the details from that call were made public, but some articles state she said she felt disoriented and was calling her brother by her husband's name on the phone. When he talked on the phone with his daughter, Emma, she told him, quote, there is something wrong with Aunt Diane, end quote. Is this tied to like her diabetes or is this just something mental? That's just part of the question. That's some of the theorizing. Okay. I'll give you more information. Yes, I'm sorry. I always try to jump <laughs> Yeah, ahead. you really always try to <laughs> jump to the end. It's hard. It's Let so us get hard. there. <laughs> she sounded upset and he could hear the other kids crying in the background. So I was still like laughing while I read that, but that's not funny. Um, through talking with Diane and Emma, he was able to determine they were near the Tappanzee Bridge Toll Road. He told them to stay put and that he would drive there to help them get home, but Diane didn't listen. She just kept driving. Warren tried to keep calling her, but she stopped picking up. This is because she left her phone on the guardrail where they had been stopped. Some believe this was to stop communication. Others believe this was an accident, according to Medium.com. Yeah, it sounds like she was just wasn't in the correct headspace to even know what she was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just... A scary thing to do i guess just leave your phone behind like that yeah so at this point jackie and some of their friends were calling 911 trying to get them help since it sounded like diane was experiencing a medical emergency with the children shortly after 1 20 p.m diane made a right turn onto an exit ramp from the taconic oh, state parkway Despite the multiple one-way signs and do-not-enter signs, she headed south into northbound traffic, driving at 75 to 85 miles per hour for 1.7 miles. She crossed two lanes and stayed in what was technically the passing lane and never moved again. She stayed straight and multiple cars dodged her path. Some of the witnesses recalled that Diane looked, quote, serene and oblivious, end quote, as she drove with her hands gripped at 10 and 2, according to Ranker.com, which is just absolutely terrifying to me. Yeah. If you drive, someone driving, like, I couldn't imagine seeing a car coming at you, and then you see their face, and they're just not even phased. Yeah. That. That would be terrifying. Eventually, she hit an SUV head on. 
The Chevy Trailblazer Diane hit was being driven by Michael Bastardi, who is 81, his son oh. Guy Bastardi, who is 49, and their family friend Dan Bongo, who is 79. Oh my gosh. They were on their way to a Sunday pasta dinner with their family. The collision also caused an impact on a Chevy Tracker. The minivan rolled into the grassy median and immediately caught on fire. Diane, her daughter Erin, the nieces Emma, Allison, Katie, Michael and Guy Bastardi, and Dan Bongo all died in the crash. Immediately, people who witnessed the crash began to rush over and help the victims. Diane's son, Brian, was found underneath all of the girls in the back of the minivan, and he was still alive. So he was immediately rushed to the emergency room. That's crazy. He suffered multiple injuries and a severe brain injury that caused him to wear an eye patch, but he ultimately was okay and doesn't have any memory of the crash. This car crash was the deadliest wreck on a Westchester road in 75 years, and as of 2019, it still was. Wow. I didn't find any other information saying if that had changed since then. Yeah. The two families mourned the loss of their loved ones. At the funeral, Warren said his sister was, quote, an amazing mom, an incredible aunt, a wonderful wife, and a great sister, end quote. So the only one that survived was the son? Mm-hmm, her son. So her brother and his wife, they lost their, all their three daughters. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. And Diane's husband described her as being like a saint, according to medium.com. The crash was ruled as a homicide, though, due to it being a wrong-way collision. However, a few days after the crash, Diane's autopsy was completed and toxicology reports were released. Diane's blood alcohol content was 0.19. The legal limit is 0.08, so that's yeah. a little more than double. So she was drunk? Mm-hmm. She had about 10 drinks in her stomach. But that doesn't explain why you're like that out of it, though. Like She, the report also showed that she had marijuana in her system. Hmm. Police discovered a broken vodka bottle on the passenger side floor of the car to confirm that she had been drinking. Gosh. This information was devastating to the families and would lead to even more sadness and anger. So that's why she got that orange juice to go. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Damn. With the release of the report, Daniel immediately began defending his wife, stating things like, quote, she did not drink. She was not an alcoholic. Something medically had to have happened, end quote, according to abcnews.com. Everything just continued to fall apart from there. Daniel truly believed that she had to have had a stroke or apparently Diane had a tooth abscess that had been causing her a lot of discomfort and that an infection from it could have gotten to her brain. Even Daniel Schuler's attorney named Dominic Barbara supported these theories and even implied that she maybe drank to raise her blood sugar level due to her diabetes. However, that theory doesn't make sense because someone with type 2 diabetes like Diane has a higher blood sugar than normal. Mm -hmm. Not a low blood sugar level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, exactly. 
Daniel also hired a private investigator because he truly believed some type of error had to have been made, but those results still came back exactly the same. Shortly after this, his stories began to change a little. He went from claiming his wife never drank to she drank occasionally and they had some drinks on their camping trip. These conflicting statements caused a lot of upset, especially since he went on shows like Larry King to defend his wife publicly. Some people theorized that since they spent almost all of their nights apart, that Diane had been a secret alcoholic for years without Daniel knowing. But her autopsy report showed that she didn't have any signs of damage to her liver. But that doesn't mean she never drank. Sources claim that she could have recently started heavily drinking and that wouldn't result in visible damage right away. Or, I mean, she was also smoking, so maybe she was a normal smoker. Yeah, so that's my next point. Okay. Daniel also claimed his wife never smoked weed, but that also changed to that she used it on rare occasions to (laughs) self-medicate. But shortly after, one of Diane's sister-in-laws came out saying that she smoked weed every single night to help her sleep and ease her anxiety and stress. Yeah, I was going to say, because she, I mean, she's had a lot of problems in her life. and mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who use it for that purpose. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. The Bastardi family was hurt by Daniel's constant denial since their family members had been murdered in their eyes. Yeah. They hired a lawyer and filed a lawsuit against Daniel Schuler and Warren Hance since it was his car that Diane crashed, which I could see why they might file a lawsuit against Daniel, but I don't think it's fair to file one against Warren. He lost his three daughters. Yeah. It's not fair that she was driving their car, but I could see why they are hurt and upset by what Daniel's doing. Yeah. I mean, he's causing more issues for yes. everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I support that, but. Going after Warren and his family, yeah, I don't, I don't really care for that. Jackie and Warren filed a lawsuit against Daniel, stating that their three daughters quote suffered terror, fear of impending death, extreme horror, fright, and mental anguish. End quote, according to Ranker.com. Daniel filed a lawsuit against the state of New York, claiming their roads were unsafe and there wasn't enough signs, and one against Warren, claiming his car wasn't safe. This guy is just causing so many issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Such denial, I don't know. But all of those lawsuits were settled confidentially. I understand that he's still going through something, but you're making this so much worse for everyone. Oh, but in my opinion, it gets a little worse because this still wasn't the end of the story. Gosh. HBO released a documentary titled There's Something Wrong with Aunt Diane in 2011. It was made with Daniel as he hoped to clear his wife's name. But when it came out that he made $100,000 from it, this enraged the public and the victim's families. However, Dominic Barbara, his attorney, made a statement that all of the money was put into a trust fund for Brian. Mm. I hope it was. Yeah, honestly. There are still a lot of unknowns about why Diane did what she did. Everyone who interacted with her before the crash all recalled her as sober and normal. So how did she consume so much alcohol and smoke in a short period of time? She didn't buy anything from... The gas Gas, station? Nope. Nothing. Mm. So was this just a normal combination for her, drinking and smoking, and she just deeply misjudged her ability to handle those substances together? 
She was known for loving her children and nieces, so many wonder if she intentionally set out on a suicide mission. Or was her stress just extremely unbearable and she went into some state of psychosis? What isn't unknown, though, is the severity of drunk driving. Yeah. So that's just kind of, there's all these theories. Nobody truly knows why she did what she did. Was it the stress? Was it on purpose? Was it an accident? Sort of seems like a weird mix, like a combination that's just indescribable. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Something that you'd have to be within her mental state or actually talk to her about to understand because it seems like it could be a mix of that being a normal substance abuse for her. Yeah. Like to, I don't know, push down those thoughts and feelings and then also maybe a misjudgment of being able to handle that much. Mm-hmm. And then just being in a terrible mental place. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. So as we mentioned, drunk driving is absolutely horrific. And so kind of for this week's kind of like informational section, I guess, I wanted to just kind of go into some of the stats about drunk driving And every year, about 10,000 people lose their lives to a drunk driving incident. And to put that into an even more scary perspective, about 28 people every day die from drunk driving in the United States, according to NHTSA.gov. That's so many. That's a lot. That's literally just from someone... Making a stupid decision. That's one-third of all traffic-related deaths in the year. You can mitigate that so easily. Exactly. Specifically in this case, wrong-way crashes are rare, deadly, and involve drinking, according to lowhud.com. They also stated that the NTSB report, it's an article linked in a case source I have, said, quote, Driving while impaired by alcohol is the primary cause of wrong way driving collisions, end quote, according to lohud.com. So specifically in this case, it aligns like she was drunk. Mm-hmm. It, that amount of alcohol would impact anybody. Yeah. It's. Yeah, that was not a little. No. A little bit. Whether she knowingly turned down the wrong way ramp or not alcohol played a factor either way in my opinion no yeah for sure it's a very easy choice to not drink and drive and there are many precautions you can take to prevent yourself or someone you care about from ending up in this situation either have a plan to use a ride share or a designated driver help those who might need it to get home if they kind of seem lost or confused just order someone an uber it's like eight bucks. You'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And always wear a seatbelt because the children were not wearing seatbelts. Oh, no. And that's why they basically ended up in a giant pile in the back of that minivan. Yeah. I have NHTSA.gov linked in the case sources, and they have a really interesting breakdown of how you become impaired at each point of your BAC and how it would affect your driving. So I thought that's kind of interesting to see, like, how... Yeah, your judgment like and motor skills like decrease as your alcohol content goes up. Mm-hmm. 
One great point of advocacy that did come out of this tragic accident was that it helped with the Child Passenger Protection Act. This act became a law in New York a few months after the crash, and it made it a felony for someone to drive a car with a child in it while they were drunk. How is that already not a felony? I know. I agree. (laughs) There are so many laws that should be laws, but this was a good step. Yeah, that is good. That's really good. And a great step towards protecting children and other innocent drivers on the road. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's it's bad. I mean, it's already terribly bad to go drive drunk. But then it's... I can't even understand the thought process of throwing your child in the backseat and then going to drive drunk. It's just so unfair. It just puts so many innocent people in a helpless situation. Yeah. So, please, everybody, I promise, even if you feel like you can drive, you can't. And friends, great resources, ride shares, great resources. Just make the smart choice because people losing their lives when it could have been so easily avoided is just something that really frustrates me. Yeah. And the story is just a combination of a lot. I mean, even with mental health struggles, like always seek help Mm -hmm. because, you know, Diane didn't choose to share a lot of her hardships or her medical issues. She actually, I read some different pieces of information, but some say she actually was untreated for her type 2 diabetes. And the toothache she had, she refused to go to the dentist. So... Take care of yourself, I think, is such a huge message from this story. Yeah. Take care of yourself. And then also nowadays, there's a lot lot more resources available to the general public that there wasn't probably back then. It probably cost a lot lot more money back then to seek mental mental help on these things. Mm -hmm. But nowadays, there, there are a lot more options. You can Google, search, and find. There's apps for this stuff that... You can speak to psychiatrists, psychologists yeah. just through an app. There's Yeah, I know a really popular website is like BetterHelp. I hear mm-hmm. a lot of um, content creators that I follow. They usually are sponsored by BetterHelp. Mm-hmm. And you can literally live anywhere in the world and talk to any psychologist, therapist, counselor from anywhere in the world as well. And there's video chat options, phone calls, so you don't have to do face-to-face. Or if you do prefer face-to-face, stuff like that. So yeah. it's a really cool resource. And again, none of this stuff is sponsored. No. We're literally just giving this information to try to help people. This is sort of like a new part to the podcast that Avery started doing to help others because that's sort of the goal of the podcast is to bring information to people and help them, I mean, learn. and. Yeah, because I think that's something important about true crime is there's a lot of lessons to take away, like – It's not as simple, cut and dry as we've talked about. Like this isn't just for entertainment. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to me that you can learn. And even if this is information you might already know, I think putting some stats to the information and just kind of taking a step back and looking at how something as simple as alcohol affects your body is kind of an interesting perspective to take. And maybe next time when you're in a situation or someone you know is in a situation will cause you to think twice. Yeah. So yeah, that is our case for this week. Really heartbreaking and a lot to it. 
So please feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions or want to talk about anything. And we're here for you. Yeah. Uh, social media is usually linked down below. But for true time stuff, if you want to see the case sources and pictures, every every post every week for the, the episodes, you can follow at True Time Podcast. And that's on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, TikTok. And then if you want to follow her personal pages, just see what we're, what's going on in our life. Uh, Avery usually does TikToks and stuff. So you can follow at TikTok and Instagram uh, at Avery E. Hamill. Yep. And then I guess we can move into our question of the day. Sounds good. So our question of the day is, what's your favorite activity or thing to do on the weekend? Something you look forward to or save specifically for the weekend when you have more time? Like it could be uh, golfing, hiking, working out, I don't know, <laughs> boating, you know, that, mm -hmm. that special activity, like sleeping. I don't know. It's different for everyone. Yeah. So, Avery, if you would like to answer first. Well, you mentioned mine, sleeping in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I look so, I look so forward to sleeping in on the weekends, but, um, I just like how Dylan and I, we usually have things we like to get done on the weekends, but I just really like how our evenings usually end up doing something fun. Like, it's kind of different every week. Sometimes we play games. Sometimes we'll order out and get some pizza or something like that or watch a movie. I don't know. I just feel like our nights are just, like, really fun. So I feel like every weekend we kind of, like, have one night of just – Something fun to look forward to, even if it's not planned when we wake up that morning. Mm -hmm. I really like just getting to do something fun like that every weekend. Yeah. What is your favorite weekend activity, Dylan? Um, when the weather permits, yeah. I like going on our walks and hikes and stuff. Yeah, those, those are, are nice. Those are always like very, I don't know, rejuvenating. Sort of clears your mind. The gym sort of does the same thing for me, but this is a, a little bit more relaxing in another sense like just sort of calms my nerves while the gym sort of calms me down from a busy day at, like sort of from work or something and then gets me ready to do more work I don't know the gym is motivating while the uh walk or hike is more calming and relaxing yeah so I'd say it's a good late afternoon or mid evening activity that calms me down yeah, I like those too. They're really fun. I like when we kind of go on location hikes too. Mm -hmm. We've gone to some pretty cool trails and hopefully we can find some more. It looks like we're going to have some sunshine for a while here in Germany. So yeah. I'm very happy about that because the cloudy skies are taking a toll on me. Yeah, <laughs> we actually just bought some vitamin D yeah. <laughs> the other week because it was getting to that point. Mm -hmm. But we have beautiful blue skies and sunshine today so i'm super excited to get outside we're recording on saturday so we're gonna enjoy the rest of our day i hope you guys are enjoying your nice or you enjoyed your nice weekend i know this is on a monday so a couple more days to go but <laughs> i hope you did all have a restful rejuvenating weekend and you're ready to take on the week yeah yeah for sure i think it's always important to 
rejuvenate on the weekend so you're ready to take on your week. So. Yes, absolutely. Take time for yourself. Take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. All right. We will talk to you guys next Monday. Go kill this week, and we'll see you soon. All righty, everyone. Bye. Goodbye, everyone.